Welcome back to J J B B C C C C. It's been a busy couple of days and weeks for us. Busy couple of weeks for us, all of us really. Some of us have traveled to other parts of the country. Is that right? Yeah, we really, we really did. Last this past weekend, me along with a few of our community members, we visited Milwaukee, and we had a really nice time. We went to Port Washington, and we saw my family. That's my hometown. Shout out to the PW. You know, you know it. But yeah, no, just it was a really nice time. We saw my family. And then a really great time seeing uh, everybody from the North Central of Milwaukee. All the communities from the North Central appeared at this party. So it was really cool. You guys took really awesome photos for social media. I just want to give a quick shout out to the North Central. You know, the whole JVC is really wonderful. But I just, you know, something about the North Central. We're a really great community where we've really bonded over the past couple months. Mm -hmm. And it's just really been special to get to know some really quality people in this region. Mm -hmm. I agree with you too. I yeah. was not able to go to Milwaukee, right. but I just heard so many great things, and I do really love everybody in North Central. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad you were able to go, and glad most of the house was. Um, nice. I'm also just fortunate that we have the community that we have of North Central. Yeah. Um, it just seems like you know. I mean, recently, like every week, there's something new that we're doing. Yeah. And it's like it's hard to tell people like you know what are you doing next week. <laughs> Well, what do you say when they ask you that? Billy, I don't know. I don't have 2020 vision. <laughs> well, luckily, we have a guest on later in this episode that does have 2020 vision, Becca Zakalak. She's going to be on. She's a part of the Mercy Volunteer Corps. And, you know, she just is very articulate in what she had to say. And she spoke to a lot of, you know, mercy charisms and what, what does it mean to be a mercy volunteer. And so I'm just looking forward for our listeners to be able to hear the conversation that we had with Becca because it was really insightful and I'm really glad that we shared that time with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much to Becca and everybody at the Mercy House for listening in and just being so welcoming to us this year. It's been a real joy to have such a friendship with Becca and the rest of the Mercy volunteers. Yeah, it's been wonderful to get to know them. And so, Patrick, you know, we're not doing our typical segment we do usually. At this point, we're gonna do something new. We're gonna do the JBC mailbox. And so this segment is gonna be if you follow us on social media, you know, if you don't follow us, this is just another reason that you should follow us. Mm-hmm. Because some of our followers, they tuned in. They tuned in, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And they saw our story. And it's a JBC mailbox. And it's a chance for them to ask Patrick and I some questions. Some really honest questions. And we're gonna answer, we're gonna answer truthfully. And we're going to try to be vulnerable in our answers. And I just want to disclose to our listeners that Patrick and I didn't discuss the way that we're going to talk about these answers beforehand. So it's just another way that we're going to try to be really, really truthful. And it's just just going to be our real reactions that come out in these questions. Yeah. So future episodes, continue to comment, continue to ask us questions on our social media. The mailbox will be back. Mailbox will be back in 2020. So It will be. Billy, what so, do we have in store? First question comes from uh, Liz with four Z's, KG underscore. And Liz... I like that username. That's it's a really great username. really unique. Yeah. yeah, I'm really glad that Liz is a follower. Okay. But Liz asked the question, how do you handle community conflicts? Mm-hmm. This is a question that you know we continue to address this from the beginning and as we move forward together as a community like we have dinners together every day and if there's like something that 
you know, needs to be addressed, we have that time together at dinner. But really, it's at our business. Oh, okay. I was going to say, truthfully, I'm not sure that, you know, conflicts really come up at the dinner table. Uh, You know, if you're at the other end of the conflict. Uh, (laughs) But I would say, no, uh, the majority of how we settle conflicts is at our business meetings, Mm -hmm. which we have once a week. Um, That is um, where we are all together and we have um, a structure and we have um, a doc in place during the week that we have open so people can prepare what they have to say and have a structure to how they want to articulate their conflict to the person or community or what have you in a structured and a more prepared format. Yeah, we take turns leading the business meeting and everybody gets a chance to say what they want to during the meeting. And I will say that I think some things have really come up during the business meeting that have, you know, things that people are thinking or whatever, but that's just the space that we can all talk together. I think something that's really important about community conflicts are that they're brought in front of the whole community. Even maybe if they're just involving some people or I guess, you know, it depends on the specific conflict, but I think it's important that the whole community is involved so that it doesn't, you know, disinclude people from that conversation. So yeah, thanks for that question. So our next question comes from Ava Lucchino. Ava's one of our housemates. She chimed in with a whole bunch of questions. We're only gonna be able to answer a couple. But if you want to hear more from Ava, she was on our third episode, and she shared a lot of great insights with us. Mm-hmm. She, was a, she was our first guest, yeah. so that was really great. And our first question from Ava that we're going to address is, um, what has been a highlight of your podcasting experience thus far? And I could answer this first, Patrick, because you answered the last one first. Go for it. Go sure. for it. So I just want to say that, you know, coming into this year, this is something we mentioned before. But coming into this year, I didn't think about, you know, starting a podcast. I didn't join the Jesuit Volunteer Corps because I wanted to be a podcaster, right? And so that has been a big part of my thought process. You know, why am I doing this? And I, just thinking about where I am, how I come to this recording session. Today, I was, today we had an all-staff retreat. And it was a really great time for us, you know, in this Advent season, just to take time to be with each other, to welcome God into our lives and into our space. And a big thing that I was reflecting on is, you know, we're talking about how we're each called to live out the gospel and live out God in our own lives. And we were just reflecting today about the Immaculate Conception and about Mary and about how the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she would give birth to the Lord. And that just brought up questions in me about how am I bringing Christ, how am I bringing the Lord to the world? And in what ways am I conceiving the Lord into this world? And, you know, I was reflecting on all these different ways, maybe through my ministry, maybe through what I do in community. You know, what ways am I showing the Lord to to others, really? And something I thought about, really, is our podcast. Just about how we are doing our best to share our authentic selves with others and the way we're trying to engage with others. I've just been kind of reflecting about how that has been really good for me in this year and about how this medium of us sitting down recording this podcast and getting the chance to really interview others really been a highlight for me is that we've both we're both dedicated to this so yeah if I can add a couple things I it is pretty moving that we 
you know, in some ways, like, yes, we have our social media pages, and yes, we put this out for for the listener. But we don't, I don't think this podcast at the moment, I mean, it's it's not really intended to attract and, like, gain, view, like, listeners, and we're not trying to come in here, seek, like, you know, ratings. We're here to tell our story, and we're just here sharing our truth and sharing our experience. Mm-hmm. And for me... Like, I came into JVC, and I was like, I wanted to do something reflective. Like, I've used my journal in high school and in college, and that was great, but there's a part that I think was missing. And what I really like about this podcast is that so much of my growth this year has been in community, has been what we have done together, whether at my work it's been like going to lobby day, going yeah. out, being with students, being with parents, our staff, um, having the Xavier students come. You know, it's been being with these communities and IFTJ, you know, being with you, mm-hmm. Will, and the students, like. And I think that's what JVC, what this year has been so great at. It's like trusting in the community and being immersed in the community. Community with our house, community with where we live, and in community with God, for me personally. And you touch on that a little bit with um, with your faith and with Jesus and um, spreading the word yeah. and how that's moved your faith and... I think this podcast has just like it gives a f- better picture of my experience being with you because yeah. it, so much of my growth has been with you with doing with this community. podcast within our community and I think to our listeners and to like my loved ones back home and um, that's you know this is the most authentic representation um, that they get and they get on, you know, a weekly basis in, in the moment, being here in Detroit, being in our balcony or our basement or wherever, like being immersed <laughs> in our environment. Yeah. yeah, just being here and being together. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that reflection, Patrick. And I like, you know, you talked about how you wanted to be reflective this year with the JVC, you know, maybe with your journal. But I think this is an extension of your journal. It really kind of highlights the year. And I just want to go back, you know, being in Milwaukee this weekend, it was really great hearing from members from other communities who were kind of asking about the podcast. They were interested. And specifically, I was talking a lot to Joe from the Twin Cities. And he was saying... Shout out Twin Cities. Shout out to Joe. Shout out to Twin Cities. He's a listener. And he was saying about how he, you know, he thinks this is going to be cool to listen to, you know, in a year, two years. You know, you're really going to be able to hear about what you did during the JVC. And I think this kind of is like an audio journal for us and for our listeners. And like you said, we're not here to gain followers, but we're here just to be authentic to our true friends and to people who really care about us and the JV experience. So I really appreciated just hearing that reflection from you. Yeah. Welcoming to the show, Becca Zaklak. Becca was born and raised in Indiana, a.k.a. the Hoosier State, even though she attended Purdue University, home of the Boilmakers. Becca graduated from Purdue this past May 2019 with a degree in special education 
and a minor in global studies. At the beginning of the year, she decided to join the Mercy Volunteer Corps and chose her service site in Detroit, Michigan at Cristo Rey High School. Becca, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Becca, just to start things off, could you explain a little bit about what is the Mercy Volunteer Corps? Yeah, absolutely. So whenever I talk to my friends and family back home about what the Mercy Volunteer Corps is, I always refer to them as the Peace Corps or the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, but just with a little bit of a twist. So obviously you guys know what the Jesuit Volunteer Corps does. And I think most people are familiar with the Peace Corps, but the Mercy Volunteer Corps is similar. It's a year-long service program, um, but we were started by the Sisters of Mercy. So that's where we're just a little bit different. But basically, volunteers are asked to commit to a year of service, and we have one of 11 cities around the U.S., and then one international placement in South America, and then those volunteer placements are in one of three sectors. So we have the education, healthcare, and social services. And our volunteers work with one of the Mercy Volunteer Corps staff at the beginning of the process to figure out which service site is right for them. So that's both the location and the service site that you want to serve in for your year, And then you live in community with other volunteers in the same city, and we're given stipends for everything you might need throughout the year, like food and transportation. And then also we're given just a personal stipend, which I choose to spend mostly on chocolate so far. We'll see where the year takes me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Patrick, what do you spend your stipend on? Uh, mostly vegetables. I try to eat <laughs> my green vegetables, broccoli, spinach. Okay. Call me out. I just okay. like to make a disclaimer that that is not true. But I do want to highlight that with the stipend, that is one thing that's similar between the Jesuit Volunteer Corps and the Mercy Volunteer Corps. And yeah. a lot of the process of, you know, being placed in a city and living in community is very similar with the two Volunteer Corps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very similar. So in the JVC, there's four values that we practice. That's spirituality, community simple living and social justice so part of how we practice these values is through spirituality night and community night each week communities throughout jbc do this differently Um, but having that structure in place and having that written down um, what are some of the things that the mercy volunteer corps does during maybe like a regular basis doesn't have to be like a week-to-week basis but how do you kind of practice within your house uh these the values that mbc holds yeah so very similar to you guys we have just three major things that we focus on during our year service so compassionate service is one of them which is kind of spoken for with your service site but then simple lifestyle and community and spiritual growth are the other two so similar to what you said We have a spirituality night that we do all together, and then we do have one night a week where we do um, community meetings to go over, like, logistical things. And then within that, we have uh, one to two nights of intentional meals and time spent together as well. Um, And then within all of that, we just commit to living a simple lifestyle. So, um, like, driving our cars as little as possible or just doing, like, full loads of laundry versus, like, little loads of laundry or not using so much water, different things like that for the simple lifestyle. So all three of those things are how we commit to those values, similar to what what you guys said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just wanted to kind of add on that. Uh, For our house, we we are a group of seven and, you know, practicing spirituality nights and community nights and just practicing JVC values and those 
exercises and practices can be a lot to juggle just with people's schedules and just with what's going on in their lives. So uh, how is kind of the flow of things with uh, your spirituality nights and your service? How has that been for your community here so far? Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different because with our community here in Detroit, we only have three of us versus you guys have seven and we don't have any males living with us. So that adds a whole nother dynamic, I think, for Mm -hmm. you Jesuit volunteers here. So between the three of us, one thing we've just noticed after living here for a couple months is our schedules are like very complete opposite for Mm -hmm. some of us. Mm -hmm. So I'm at a high school, which is a very set schedule, seven to four, basically every day. And then one of my community members is at a health clinic that just ends when all of the people have left the clinic. So that's been a bit of an adjustment to each other's schedules and figuring out which nights we're all home. So we sat down at the beginning and discovered the nights that we're all consistently home. Um, but beyond that, it just takes a little bit of intentionality of maybe not every single week we're home at the same time, but when we are home, Like, for example, last night, typically on Wednesday nights, we're not all home together at the same time, but we were. Mm -hmm. So we all spent dinner together and just hung out together, which doesn't always happen. But when we Mm -hmm. do have that time together, um, we're trying to be really intentional about spending it all together. Um, But again, with three of us, it's a little bit easier to juggle each other's schedules. Mm -hmm. But it's still early, so we're still kind of navigating that. But. It's yeah. been good so far, learning a lot about communication and all that. Yeah, and this is something you've highlighted, but one thing I've really learned with our year so far is just that like living in an intentional community with others is very different than like living with others. So like in college, I had roommates, but like we didn't have these 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 times that we spent together. So if I could just ask, like, what has been some some fruitful moments in community? Or what have been some like highlights in community, some things that you've really like enjoyed and loved about this uh, intentionality in community? Yeah, definitely an adjustment from college living. Like <laughs> I lived in my sorority for two years with a hundred other people, like definitely different than just living with two <laughs> other women who are people that I don't even know before this year. And then in addition to that, I lived with just good friends. So living with strangers, even at the beginning, like that's been an adjustment for sure. But, uh, I think, At the beginning, we're all kind of, like, getting to know each other, like, on a very base level, like, Mm -hmm. what do you do with your time, and when do you go to bed, and all of that stuff. So now that we're, like, a few months in, I think we've kind of figured out, like, I definitely go to bed the earliest, (laughs) even though I'm the youngest, (laughs) Um, but I also wake up the earliest because of my site placement at the school. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, with being intentional, like, when we do have that time together, we've found, um, me and one of my community members have started watching Jeopardy!, it's on Netflix. Mm. Disclaimer, That's it's fun. great and it's really easy to binge watch because even <laughs> the commercial take, breaks, <laughs> you don't have to wait for them to go to commercial. It just comes right back on. Wow. So it's really Final easy Jeopardy to watch. Like it's right away. So we've definitely caught ourselves watching that for like probably too long. Um, but just like the little things, I'm a very simplistic person, I think. I love quality time with people. So it doesn't take a lot for me to and just enjoy spending time with them. So whether that's, like we said, eating meals together or just sitting around talking about people back home or our days from our service sites because they're all so different or whatever, watching Jeopardy. Uh, We found that time together and I'm looking forward to more, like doing more exploring of the city, even though it just got really cold and snowy here. So 
our window for that has passed for now. But we got to do some exploring before it got really cold like this. And we're hoping to continue exploring probably some with you guys too. So yeah, that's always fun. No, that's awesome. And something we talk a lot about on the show is just like Southwest Detroit. Yeah. And how we're kind so of, much to do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how we just love being in the community. And, you know, some of us work in Southwest, some of us don't, but just like living in Southwest is really great. And uh, your house is also in Southwest Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. So is if you want to speak at all to like uh, just living in Southwest Detroit and then like how... Like where, like you also work in Southwest Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been an adjustment too. like I, where I grew up and then where I went to school was definitely not city-esque at all. Mm -hmm. And although we live in a neighborhood now, just, uh, the things around us, like I've never lived this close to so many Mexican restaurants in my life. So (laughs) that's been an adjustment, but in a very good way. Um, lots of bakeries, which is always dangerous Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I think one of the first things that we did kind of in Detroit was the jazz festival actually with you guys back yeah. in September. I felt like that was a good initiation to the city cause we got to see so much of it and it was such a big event. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that we've really liked is the Eastern market, which takes place mm-hmm. on Saturday afternoons. Mm-hmm. We have a farmer's market back home and then at my college there is a farmer's market. So that's kind of something that I've really enjoyed going to, um, and then there's every Friday there's a vigil at Clark Park where it's like standing in solidarity with immigrants. And that mm-hmm. was something that we were introduced to really early on that takes place in Southwest Detroit. So that's kind of been another way that some of us have gotten mm-hmm. engaged in the Detroit community there. And then I've found a lot of, I looked quickly for a parish here close by for just meeting other young adults and getting involved with the church in southwest or at least close to southwest detroit so with that's come like service things like we did the simple mm-hmm. service saturday with you yeah um, at the Casey Center. yeah and the tap into life there as well with will mm-hmm. one sunday and then theology on tap is also a thing that i did in school so i figured they had that here yeah and then i actually just finished up with a bible study at one of the churches saints peter and paul where mm-hmm. um this pope francis center is so different things like that, I really value stuff within like a church community. So within Southwest, that church community has been a good source of meeting people and kind of getting to know the city a little yeah. bit further in that aspect, but also other stuff like I mentioned. So, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, like you said, my school's in Southwest Detroit too. It's like a mile up the road. So when the weather was really nice, I got to walk. Now it's a little, <laughs> a little cold and snowy for that, but um, I'm looking forward to off? spring. Yeah, so nice. one of my community members drops me off in the mornings, mm. and then one of the teachers every day has offered to drive me home. Mm-hmm. So taking care of there because it's gotten really cold. Yeah, Even though I'm mm-hmm. from the Midwest, I should be used to it by now, but I am not, I'll admit it. Yeah. So. I'm a little bit of a wuss in the cold. But yeah, everyone's been, I mean, beyond just like the things to do, the people here have been so welcoming. So that's been great to experience a new community. And along with that comes you guys as the Jesuit volunteers, which we're appreciative of. So yeah. Uh, So last episode, we had Will Beatriz on the show. And so you know, and you work with Will because he's also a Christo (laughs) writer. So if you could just talk a little bit about like what you do at the school, what your role is, and uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The first day that we got to Cristo Rey, the principal said, and I'll, I'll just never forget it, it stuck with me, he's like, everybody ends up at Cristo Rey for a reason. <laughs> and I'm all about the cliches, but I was like, okay, like that's so corny, but whatever, moved on. But 
I really feel like even after a couple months of being there, this is where I was meant to be. My, mm. Like you mentioned earlier, mm. my degree is in special education. So when I was choosing my service site and everything, I knew I wanted to be at a school, period. Mm. And I just so happened to luck out and get at, I think, the coolest school I've ever been in. I've been in countless schools over my time. Mm. And I absolutely love this school and everything it stands for and everything they do, their mission is fabulous. So I've really enjoyed my time there. Uh, they have had a Mercy volunteer there since the school opened, like over 10 years ago, which I think was really cool that a Mercy volunteer has been at the school doing various uh, job roles throughout their time. And the role of the Mercy volunteer at the school has kind of evolved over time. So at one point they were teaching like a history class, but then that kind of got shut down because they didn't want a volunteer necessarily teaching hmm. a big course like that. So at this point in my role, they've kind of found two departments that needed consistent help, and that's where the Mercy Volunteer role has kind of morphed into what it is now. So I help out with the campus ministry department with planning retreats and masses and service hours, all of that good stuff. And then the other part is with the dean of students, which is definitely new to me. I've never... (laughs) Been one to get in trouble or have to like, I never had to talk to my dean of students when I was in high school. And now I'm working alongside him. I actually got referred to as the assistant dean the other day by one of the students. So moving up there. But those are the two main places that I help out with the school. But essentially, my take on it is wherever they need help, I'm there to help. And I'm really appreciative that they trust me with a lot of different things. I've helped with their tutoring program during their extracurricular period at the end of the day. And just helping out, like we just did the PSAT, so helping proctor that and get all the rooms set up, Mm -hmm. just random stuff. But I've appreciated that because I've always been in the classroom with my degree in education. And so to be on the other side of it, I've learned so much in the short amount of time that I've been here. And I think with my future career as a teacher, this will really benefit me to have seen kind of the opposite side that administration sees and that everybody else sees beyond the classroom that teachers are in every day. Totally. I want to touch on a few few parts. I mean, when Will was on, he mentioned, you know, this model that Krista Ray has with education. Part of it is like service and getting into their service sites. And then the other part of it is learning about the Jesuit values and that whole theology and practice. I think that's just such a unique and uh, innovative method of just teaching. Uh, but my question, uh, you said your degree was in special ed over mm-hmm. at um, Purdue. Um, boiler up. Yep. Boiler up. <laughs> 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 Gotta say it. <laughs> um, do you think, uh, have you had much like exposure at Crystal Ray with kind of working with special needs or uh, maybe like a I mean, you said you do a little bit of tutoring, but can you just talk a little bit about maybe what special ed kind of focus maybe you've had exposure to? Yeah, definitely. The interesting thing about Crystal Ray is that it's a private school, so privately funded schools don't have to offer special education services to students. That's like a government thing. I won't get into the details for everyone with that, but because it's a private school, they're not required to offer those services, so they don't exclusively deny people that have special needs or that would need special education services but they can't they don't legally have to to accommodate students but um there are students that they've identified as needing 
extra help, extra accommodations. Um, typically, a student would get what's called an IEP. That's a legal document. Again, I won't get into that. So they can't offer that for students, but they do have an awareness of the students that need that extra help. So I'm on a grade level team, the senior grade level team. Every, all the teachers are split into these different teams just to help um, address certain aspects of different grade levels that need whatever, whatever help they need with those. So within that, they've had, I've been approached by the, one of the assistant principals to kind of start a running document of students that would, if they were in a public school, would need those special education services and then come up with some resources for the grade levels to use for that. So that's actually kind of like a new thing that I'll start working on. Um, but I think the tutoring thing and then also offering help to teachers that maybe if students have, like I do help with the Dean of Students, which is behavioral. And a lot of what my degree was, was behavior intervention and students that just need a little extra guidance or help or whatever that might look like. So being able to just offer my two cents to different teachers. Um, obviously I'm new to this and there are a lot of veteran teachers there but just to be able to give some advice there um mm -hmm. the tutoring has been a big thing though with special education it's a lot of small groups and one-on-one -on -one attention for students and tutoring does just that so that's been a few different ways to do that mm -hmm. and I appreciate that again I, I like being outside of the classroom to see these new things but I do feel like I've started to form relationships with some of the teachers to where I can kind of add yeah. in some things there that I wouldn't have gotten to do. So I appreciate them trusting me with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it seems like you're <clears throat> not just, uh, in the classroom, like directly, but you're also like, you are directing like teachers and you're working directly with the Dean of students. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mean, I know it's kind of early and I know like questions about like career kind of trajectories <laughs> within like education or whatever field. I mean, um, but like just hearing you now, um, you know, it sounds like, I mean, you know so much about kind of the policies, especially when it comes to offering special ed services, you know, public or private. Um, do you feel kind of like a pull with kind of educational policy as well as teaching or like how do you uh what's your kind of uh footing on that it's a very yeah great question i'm still navigating the career that this will take me to but i will say within special education comes a lot of the politics and not necessarily like getting political but there is a lot of government programs a lot of government funding that is involved with special ed services so and I know that now going through it for four years. So that's kind of always been my holdup. If I do continue on with a degree or sorry, with a career in special education, that comes with it. So that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. I will say after doing even a couple months in this school, I'm very much convinced that I'm meant to be in a high school for my career. I just don't know what that's going to look like. So I'm hoping with this year, with getting to see that other side of things, and I think next semester I might transition into helping out with like one college readiness course. So getting to actually be in the classroom. I think this year is giving me a lot of different um, outlets in a high school to see where I could maybe see myself in the future. Um, I love special education a lot and I love the kids that I would work with if I pursue that. But there, there really is a lot of um, 
extra stuff that goes along with it that I'm a little hesitant on. Yeah. But with a lot of prayer and experience, I know I'll figure that out. So, to yeah. be determined. I'll yeah. come back on this podcast in a couple months and let you all know what wow. ends up. Presumptuous. All right, wonderful. Well, I actually think I'm going to ask you another question on this topic that okay. we're on because it's just great to hear what you have to say and it's just making me think some things. So, you shared just about uh, how you love the Cristo Rey mission and about how that's really like calling to you. But then I hear this also this other part of you that just seems a little bit frustrated that, you know, uh, and not just Christo Ray, that Catholic schools in a way maybe don't have the money and the capacity to deal with special education in the same way that public schools do. Moving forward, like how would you think about uh, pursuing private or public education? I know, like we said, it's super early to think about, but like where do you think your heart might lie? Like you know, just in thinking about all that. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's too early to be thinking about it. I think it's too early to be making decisions about it, but I definitely think about this all the time. I will say, again, I feel like I'm bringing up politics. That's like a dinner table no-no, no, but like okay. it is a, a lot of politics within education, so it's bound to come up. But even within public education, funding is a huge issue for schools and especially in special education departments. And I've seen that time and time again. Um, And part of that starts with the teachers, right? Like how we're trained and how we're handling these situations. Part of it does go back to the government and the funding. So it's a two-way street on that. And I think private and public schools, there's going to be roadblocks that you hit based on where you're serving. So like Mm -hmm. Detroit Cristo Rays in Southwest Detroit. And so we're serving a lot of marginalized families. That's just where we're at in Mm -hmm. that. So with that comes its own struggles, private or public schools. That's just bound to happen. Um, obviously, in maybe more wealthy areas, there's going to be more funding involved, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be better teachers or well-equipped teachers that are able to combat those, Yeah, could call them injustices, or you could say just lack of getting these kids the education they deserve. So it is definitely in the back of my mind, looking at where I'll decide to teach, um, it sounds cliche, right? But like, I just want to serve in the best way that I can. So I'm kind of figuring that out where I think I would be best suited to teach, whether that's private or public, high school or not. I, I'm starting to kind of think I have an idea of that, but I think in time, God will reveal that to me. Yeah. I think that's a Fingers great... Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great mindset. Yeah. I think everybody can t- take a lesson from that, that like, you're just going where you think your gifts are at. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's good and bad in both settings. There's good and bad. I mean, there's good and bad anywhere in the world. So I feel like I'm doing my best here with this school that I'm at to kind of learn the ins and outs, see the good and bad that comes with that. Because I went to a public university, I was only in public schools for student teaching for all of my placements. Mm -hmm. So I saw that side of things and I got to see the different special education departments, whereas here there's not a special education department. So... I feel like I'm doing I'm doing my best to see the different sides of all school settings so that I can make a good decision when I go to find a career. As we're kind of coming to the end of our time together, uh, we have one final question for you. And we have been, you know, we've been asking all our guests this question. And we're really trying to tap into kind of like the core of who you are in a small way. So uh, this question, Becca, comes from a quote, uh, a quote from Thomas Merton, quote, if you want to identify me, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat or how I comb my hair, 
but ask me what I am living for in detail. Ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for. So Becca, uh, I turn it to you and we ask, what are you living for? So I'll take your quote and I'll raise you one quote too. I don't play poker, but I think that's how that goes. So I actually recently read this quote, like, you know, people have these life mottos that are like, oh, I've been saying this forever. So I recently read this quote, but I feel like it um, exemplifies what I try to live every day. So the quote's from my favorite author, Bob Goff. If you haven't heard of him, highly recommend. Mm -hmm. Great books. Love does. Love does. Everybody always. And he just came out with a devotional. I'm not, I'm not promoting him. I'm just, well, I am. I'm not a sponsor for him, though. Um, but the quote says, when joy is a habit, love is a reflex. And I feel like I strive to live that every day. Like, obviously, especially being in southwest Detroit and being in these places that we're serving, we see a lot of um, struggle, hardships, injustices. And no matter, I feel like no matter where you go in the world, there's always going to be negativity and sadness and obviously we could choose to focus on that but I've always tried to live my life looking for the good looking for the joy in things so the quote says when joy is a habit so I try to live my life with the habit making of finding the joy in little things and hard things and negative things and in good things I mean there's good in the world too (laughs) so I feel like I really try to seek out the good and seek out the joy and With that, then the rest of the quote says, love is a reflex. And I feel like what I'm living for is just loving people where they're at. And um, no matter where I meet them or no matter their situation, I just do my very best. And I'm human, so I don't always do it perfectly. But I do my very best to just love them in whatever way I know how. Um, I'm very strong in my faith. I do obviously fall down and waver in that but uh I feel like I know God's love so strongly and his mercy for me so deeply and I just want to show that to other people as cliche as that sounds I just want to love people because I think everybody deserves to know that love that I have been shown so much so um again going back to that quote joy is a habit I feel like I try to exemplify that and then loving challenging people or people that are really annoying is a little bit easier for me because I feel like I have that joy in my heart and the love of God shown to me and I just want to show that to those around me so yeah I'm living to love people because I think everyone deserves to know that they're loved I agree with that everyone does I'm everyone every, everyone even the Jesuit volunteers do even the Jesuit oh. <laughs> I knew it would come out the singer. Well, I love that quote. I'm going to look at Bob Goff now. Bob Goff. I have, so, yeah. I have Love Does on my bookshelf picture. And I right, have Everybody saying. Always, so well, you've got the complete set. Lot, and I just got the devotional, so. Wow. Oh, okay. Got the full set. Wow. Oh, <laughs> oh that's awesome. But I uh, just want to say personally, uh, you know, you talk about how strong you are in your faith. You talk about uh, you just you want to meet people with love and you uh that's so that's such a prerequisite of like of bringing joy and of bringing people to their full fullest self so um just personally like it's been such a joy being with you being with uh, everybody at in the mercy house uh you have made us feel welcome at jvc Mm -hmm. in our house 
um, by just you likewise know. <laughs> <laughs> to you guys too. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Becca, for being on the show. And best of luck uh, with your year with the Mercy Volunteer Corps. Thank you so much to Becca and the rest of the Mercy volunteers for allowing us to be in their home space to record. And just thank you for welcoming us to Detroit and building this friendship that has been so fruitful for our community. Now we are going into our next segment, Four Values in Four Four Minutes. minutes. Yeah, no, thank you, Patrick. Just this is my favorite segment, to be completely honest with you and with our listeners. The Four Values in the Four Minutes gives me a chance just to think about which value has hit home for me. Which value is in my heart? Maybe it's multiple. Maybe it's all of them. Maybe it's one. But which value is there with me this week, in the past few weeks? And with all of that being said, Patrick, I'd like you to open up first. Which value, which values have really touched you and why these past weeks? I feel like I've talked a lot about community this episode. And community, as we head into this new decade in the new year, I recognize that this is our last episode of 2019. So, uh just looking forward to being in touch more with community in the new decade is something that I'm feeling, especially as we are um, wrapping up. But I really want to touch on simple living. Um, I registered for um, a pretty long race, a marathon right now. Um, Feeling a little nervous, if I'm quite honest. But um, simple living in the terms of, you know, keeping in touch with not only my physical activity, my, a lot of it is mental and also nutritional, making sure that I make space for this training and this process to get ready. And I'm really comforted that I'll be joining this race with um, Will, so a uh, friend of the pod again. <laughs> um, to be honest, I'm I've, like I've told you, I'm considering running the half marathon. So you might be joining with me. Yeah, no, and I think it'd be great. Uh, so it's April 11th, uh, kind of during Easter weekend. So it'd be great to go to Milwaukee, maybe Port Washington, to mm-hmm. go to Easter uh, Mass or just to see family and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little bit stressful. Um, been running, you know, getting that training process uh but yeah just now really starting to adopt kind of what it takes to um prioritize exercise prioritize um you know the mental preparation sleeping well thinking through kind of day by day um how to go about uh this process it's been um it's been very fruitful and, and i love just doing it with somebody else it holds you accountable and it makes you stick with your process and stick with the program that you have in place with your partner or with your friend. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So for me this week, I want to share that spirituality, the past few weeks, it's kind of been on my mind and I've just really been thinking about personally, you know, in this Advent season, just kind of taking time for myself in prayer and in reflection and, you know, kind of preparing for this, You know, the Advent season is just this time to allow space, allow time to prepare for the Lord, and ultimately for Christmas. 
And I know it's kind of corny, but really just thinking about the reason for the season mm -hmm. and why are we celebrating Christmas. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned earlier in the pod, I had that staff retreat today, and we ended that retreat by singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, mm -hmm. all together. And it was just a really special moment, you know, just all raising our voice in song together, and just that song, O Come, O Come, you know, rejoice, rejoice. Mm -hmm. And that song was also used by Ava, you know, recently mm -hmm. during a spirituality night. Mm -hmm. And just keeping that in mind, just, just that being said too, all these different communities we all traverse through and having that in mind, so. Yeah, I feel, uh, I love that song a lot as well. And I think it's so, it resonates with me a lot as we head into 2020, as we head into the last stretch of our JVC year, you know, not to be consumed by fear, to be consumed by our nerves, our anxiety, but to know that Christ or whoever it is in your life, um, that love prevails mm -hmm. and that despite what goes, what gets me frustrated with the news or what gets me riled up with what I see <clears throat> on social media, it is Christ for me that that helps me regain hope and that helps me regain peace. Yeah. And that's why I love Advent so much, um, personally. But, um, yeah, that song particularly has been on my mind. Yeah, and in closing this podcast, Patrick, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but in this past Spirituality Night, we had, it was really meaningful for me, we, Jacob led it. He's one of our housemates. He hasn't been on the pod yet hopefully soon, who knows, maybe 2020, but he led it and it was really nice. We started off by talking about what we give thanks for. And I think it's really important in everything we do just to begin in gratitude. But then moving forward, we all got this chance to reflect and to write prayers. And, you know, Patrick wrote this prayer that just really touched me. And, you know, we all wrote prayers that just, we all shared and it was just really nice to share that with our community. But I just want to ask you, Patrick, as we, close this pod, as we close this podcast, if you can share with me and with our listeners that prayer you wrote for Spirituality Night, but just bringing it to our listeners and closing this podcast. I'm happy to, yeah. Uh, we have Spirituality Night you know, once a week, every week, for the past four months now. Mm -hmm. And we all take turns leading, and we all do different things about Spirituality Night. And that was one of the things that attracted me to JVC, in the first place, not only just doing service and taking a year to serve and be in a field that is of interest to myself, but it was more of being in tune with my spirit and being more in tune with God for myself and what that was for myself, what that was for my Christian faith. So um, for this past spirituality night, we were tasked to kind of write a prayer that um, summed up kind of our experience so far since we've arrived and what has um, what we want to take forward into the new year. And so I talk a lot about community in this episode, I realize, um, but that was so much of my work at UNI has been focused on community, um, community development, what does it mean to, to develop? What preconceived notions do we have? Who are we listening to? Who are the people at the table? So 
that was the focus of my prayer. And that's the focus of what I want to bring into this new decade. So here's my prayer. Lord, embrace me into your community. In the moments we dine together, travel, and karaoke loudly, and in the moments we delegate and share our spiritual lives, know that you are our joy and you comfort us in times of shortcomings. Bless Billy, Jacob, John, Will, Soleil, and Ava. And our listeners. And our listeners. Lord, embrace me in your community. Heal my heart and strengthen my trust. I do my work to be with the people of Southwest Detroit. May you take my faults, my preconceptions of development, and may your spirit bridge me with the people I serve. Lord, embrace me in your community. Lord, embrace me in your community. Let fear not suffocate me. Let my spirit and your trust in you save us and help us enter into this new decade with your abundant love. Lord, embrace me in your community. Thank you again for listening and tuning in to Jesuit Balcony Conversations. We want to be clear that our opinions are our own and not affiliated with the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Thank you to those of you that follow us on social media, especially those of you who wrote to our JBC mailbox. Be clear that if you don't follow us on social media, you gotta go ahead and do that. You got a problem. You got a problem. And you gotta follow us now. Y'all. Because 2020, the mailbox is gonna be wide open. And remember, the future's crystal clear. See you next year. Peace. Blessings. Bye. Bye.